You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Well, that was a performance to forget, wasn't it? And I don't know why the screen is frozen. But anyway, um, (laughs) this show has started off just like that Arsenal performance, hasn't it? Let's flick cameras. Let's see if we can get this cracking. But yeah, that, that, I mean, is there a way that sums up this performance more than to start the show with a dodgy camera? I think it's lagging. I think it might be rectifying itself. Fingers crossed. If you're listening on the audio, you don't know what I'm talking about. But basically, Arsenal's performance was a stinker, an absolute stinker. And as a result, Arsenal have crashed out of the FA Cup at the third round stage for only the second time in 25 years. You know what? This camera is going to give us grief, isn't it, throughout? So let's flick over to the other one. Here we go. It finished. Nottingham Forest won, Arsenal nil at the City ground. And look, this was never going to be as easy a tie as as some people were making it out to be. But that does not for a second excuse the performance that we saw out there today. It was shocking. It was lacklustre. It was uh, unprofessional, I thought, in a lot of ways as well. And we're going to come on to talk about the the various reasons as to why Arsenal struggled today. We'll start off with the the starting lineup. I mean, look, Mikel Arteta made the point in his post-match interview that we've got players missing. And obviously that is a big, big problem. But he decided to go with Patino and Laconga in the midfield. Um, He decided, um, you know, to to go with Nketiah up front over Alexander Lacazette. And I, I kind of get that one, right? You're trying to convince Nketiah to stay at the football club. And if you don't start him in this game, then when is he ever going to play? So I kind of get that one. Um, and the midfield, he didn't really have a choice, did he? He didn't have a choice in picking um, Patino and Laconga because of the absence of Granite Xhaka. Some might argue he could have dropped maybe Martin Odegaard into a deeper position. I don't think that really works either. I think the decision to start Nuno Tavares, I think, was one of the ones that we were probably least worried about going into this game. We knew that there were going to be changes and we knew that Mikel Arteta was going to tinker with the team a little bit. And I think given sort of the way Tavares played, apart from a couple of mistakes just before he lost his place in the team, he's been overall pretty good and pretty convincing. So I'm not going to blame Mikel for starting him, but his performance was awful and will come on to talk about that individually in a bit as well. But yeah, I mean, look, look, start with the team, right? And start with the midfield where I thought Arsenal were completely non-existent, you know, non-existent. And look, Lokonga wasn't good today. He gave the ball away, obviously, in the build-up for the goal. Um, But he wasn't helped by the fact that young Charlie Patino started alongside him. Now, I am not sticking the knife in or the boot in or being overly critical of young Charlie Patino because I think he's a wonderful talent. We're all excited to see him progress. Um, we're all excited to see his journey. You know, he's one of our own. It's very exciting. But 
I think we learned today that Charlie Patino is not ready yet for first team football. Now, although I'm saying Lekonga was bad and he wasn't helped by the fact that he had a young, inexperienced and I think physically weak Charlie Patino alongside him, the same can be said the other way around. I don't think that Charlie Patino had the best chance to succeed in a team alongside Sambi Lekonga, who was poor today. And this is the thing with Sambi Lekonga, right? There's been games where he's looked really good. And there's been games where he's looked bang average and he's made mistakes and he's cost us points and he's made grave errors. And this is what happens when you rely on young players. This is what happens when you have no depth. Now, there are special young players, players like Bukayo Saka, like Emil Smith-Rowe, who are just on a different level. That's not normal, though. You know, that's not normal. Normally, young players do have the ups and downs. Young players do have uh, bumps in the road. And I think what we're seeing with Lekonga is exactly that. Obviously, for him, it's different. He's come from a different country. He's had to adapt stylistically to the Premier League. But watching that game, the only thing that I, or, or the main thing that I come away um, with it from, sorry, the main thing I come away from the game with, there we go, got the sentence out in the end, is that we've got a midfield crisis. We've got a serious, serious midfield crisis. And why have we got a midfield crisis? Well, because we've allowed Ainsley Maitland-Niles to depart the club. We've allowed Ainsley Maitland-Niles to go and join Roma, for whom he played right back tonight, by the way, the very position that he supposedly didn't want to play in, in the Arsenal setup. We've allowed Ainsley Maitland-Niles to leave the club. And, and we discussed it on the last episode, right? We talked about the fact that Arsenal were probably right to let him go, were probably right to fulfil his request, given that his game time has been very limited, given that a discussion was had in the summer, whereby it was decided that um, if, you know, he didn't get the minutes that he wanted or needed or felt that was, you know, felt were sufficient, that he would want to move away in January. And that's fine. You know, you can let that happen, but you can't let Ainsley Maitland-Niles go until you have secured a replacement. You've got to delay that and prolong that deal, taking him out to Rome um, as long as possible so that you stand the greatest chance of bringing somebody in to replace him. Because it's so clear and it's so worrying where we are in the midfield space right now. You know, Granit Xhaka tested positive for COVID. We don't know exactly when he tested positive for COVID, so we don't know exactly, uh, you know, whether he'll be available for Thursday. If he tested a couple of days ago, then he might be out of isolation by then if he's vaccinated or whatever um, the protocol is right now. And this is where it's all really unclear and really uncertain. But there was always a chance that Granit Xhaka would get struck by COVID. There was always a chance that everybody in the squad could get struck by COVID because of how prevalent it is right now. So to leave ourselves worryingly short and allow Ainsley Maitland-Niles to go out, it just feels like a really bad mistake. And I said, I think it was maybe a week or two ago now, that for me, the last thing I want, having shown good progress, is to come undone by not protecting ourselves in the transfer market. We were going in toward the window and everybody was talking about who we might bring in. Lots of people had kind of come up with these lists where they'd said, yep, this player, this player, this player, this player, this player all need to go. And I get that. And I get that a lot of them are frustrating and I get that a lot of them aren't up to the level required. But you can't leave yourselves short, not this short. And we've left ourselves short in a really important part of the pitch. And we saw 
um, how weak we are in that part of the pitch today, especially in the absence of Granite Xhaka. Um, you know, people give him a lot of stick, give him a lot of grief, but he's so, so important to this team and he's still at a much higher level than um, than uh, Lokonga is today, than Patino is today. And that's not a slight on those two players. They're two young players who will develop, who will grow, who will get better, but they're not ready yet to be a midfield duo and, and to play in even games against championship sides, as you saw today. Just before we continue, big thank you to Saeed Abdullah uh, for your very, very kind Super Chat donation, mate. Um, and he talks a little bit about Nuno Tavares. So we'll we'll move on to that subject uh, in a moment. He says, good evening, Harry. What did I say to you about Tavares from the beginning? And I've been consistent about it. He's not good enough. He's the only signing I don't rate. And some people have the guts to compare him to Tierney. Yeah, look, I think, you know, we, we gave Nuno Tavares a lot of praise. After the fact, um, you know, he, he had a really good run and he looked really kind of effective and he looked like he could be a real uh, threat going forward. I think a lot of people maybe got a little bit carried away there. You know, I was even talking about him playing sometimes ahead of Tierney, depending on the type of opponent because of the unpredictability that he brings you in the forward positions. But his performance this evening was nothing short of embarrassing. Um he gave the ball away on countless occasions. He never got forward frequently enough to support Gabriel Martinelli the way we know he can. Defensively, his performance left a lot to be desired. Attitude-wise, he didn't look uh, quite at the races either. He didn't look like he was ready to put in the hard graft. And obviously, when he was substituted um, just after the half an hour mark, he showed a little bit of petulance as well in being hooked off. And I had a little bit of a debate on Twitter about this at halftime with... Um, Sophie Nicolau from the Highbridge squad. And she was kind of saying, well, I, I expect Nuno to react like that when you take him off at that point. You know, you, you should probably wait till half time, I think is what she was suggesting. And I get it. Look, it's, it's humiliating. It's embarrassing as a player to be hooked off at that point. But Mikel Arteta has shown once again for me that he's not afraid to make bold calls and big statement decisions if he feels that they need to be made. And I think because of that, you know, we're going to see from time to time players throw their toys out of the pram. Now, if that were me, and listen, I'm not saying I'm an ideal professional. You know, we all react in different ways to different situations. Um, and sometimes you can't keep a lid on those emotions. But I like to think that if it was me in Nuno Tavares's position, um, being hooked on the 32nd minute or whatever it was because I wasn't playing well, I wouldn't want to prolong my exit from the pitch. I would jog straight off the pitch and sit straight in the dugout, you know, so that people can't see me because I'll be embarrassed by the fact that I've had to be removed. And listen, when he when he searches his heart of hearts, when the dust settles, he will look back on that display and see that it was shocking and understand, you'd like to think anyway, why Mikel Arteta hooked him. I mean, that back pass to Burn Leno was awful. But he wasn't the only awful player on the pitch. And we're going to come on to that. And maybe that's why he feels a little hard done by. Uh, Real Guna says, Harry, when will you blame Arteta? I, I've just been talking, mate, about how I think that Arteta is at fault and Arsenal are at fault for allowing Ainsley Maitland-Niles to leave the club at this stage in the window without having secured a replacement. So I am blaming them. In terms of the team, though, in terms of the overall team selection, as we were saying, 
There was no Tommy Asu to play instead of Cedric, who was one of the bad players. There was no Gabriel to play instead of Holding, who was one of the poor performers. There was no other midfield option, really, um, that could have started in there that it's natural to. Um, you know, and Alexander Lacazette rarely gets through 90 minutes of football. So you kind of need to protect these players. So it's not, for me, it's not about the team selection. You can blame Arteta for leaving us, um, you know, in a in a vulnerable position in that area of the pitch. And that, um, you know, I completely agree with. But, um, you know, equally, you've got to, um, you've got to be, I don't know. I, I think you've got to be understanding that sometimes it's not always on the manager. And, and that's, um, you know, that's not... Um, that's not to say that the manager isn't responsible. Of course, he's responsible. Um, of course, he's in a place where the team's performances are a reflection of him and the job that he's doing. But sometimes I think as football fans, you have to step back and go, well, those guys, when they crossed that white line today, they didn't do the business. And and so many of them didn't do the business today. It wasn't one player um, that let us down. It wasn't two players that let us down. You could probably argue it was every single one of them. I can't think of one positive performance today. I mean, you look at the first 20 minutes, we were really, really disjointed. The fullbacks were awful. Um, I thought that, you know, obviously we talked about Nuno. I thought his performance was really, really poor. Um, you know, and, and obviously I didn't really particularly like his reaction. I thought Rob Holding was was shocking today, gave the ball away time and time again, looked slow, looked as though when we did try and play out from the back, we never had that ability to progress the ball. That was partly due to a lack of movement ahead of the centre-backs, but partly due to, you know, Rob Holding, for example, not having that passing range at times to bring the ball out. Add to the fact that you've got Bern Leno in goal, which significantly damages your capability of playing out from the back and sucking people in and taking risks in those areas. And 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 that this is the problem. It's the second string of this Arsenal side is so much weaker than what we'd like to see picked week after week in the Premier League. And we're going to have to accept that. But we're going to have to prioritise at some point. I know Mikel Arteta keeps talking about the fact that we take it game by game. The, the way everything has worked out has really, I think screwed us over. I mean, you look at the situation now with the Carabao Cup tie, and, and those of you who saw, obviously, what went on um, on uh, on Twitter the other day and, and like, why, basically, um, Liverpool fans in, in some quarters were, were so upset with me that they, you know, did what they did and they they dug up those tweets, etc., etc. Um, it was because we thought and felt that we had been set up a little bit, stitched up a little bit in terms of the fixtures. And then you hear this interview from Jurgen Klopp after today's game, where he says, we thought we had a proper outbreak last week and it showed that we had a lot of false positives. Actually, but the rules are like they are. The false positives couldn't play today. We had to make that decision. And the only real positive we had was Trent Alexander-Arnold. So, what you're what I'm saying to you there is the way the fixtures have all panned out now has put us in a really difficult position. And this FA Cup game is one that I think was it is at the bottom of the pile in terms of priorities 
because of that. Now, is the FA Cup of a higher esteem than the League Cup? Yeah, you know, I think we can all agree it is. But what you're looking at is a situation whereby we got this game today, okay, away at Nottingham Forest. Then we play Liverpool on Thursday. Then we play a, a North London derby against Tottenham away from home. And then we play Liverpool on the Thursday again. So what you've got is a situation where this was the lowest priority in terms of the games. Now, I've, I've just said to you that for me, the FA Cup sits above the League Cup, but we're in the semi-final of the League Cup, right? We're already at that stage where we're a couple of steps away from winning it. So you, I think that it's probably right to prioritise that. But equally, even if Mikel Arteta was looking at it that way, I think given the COVID cases, given that Smith Rowe and Tommy Asu were both out injured, I don't really think he had all that much choice today with the team he selected. But it's a, it's a learning curve again for Arsenal. And it highlights again for Arsenal that we are just, you know, while we're building, we're not in a place where we have a side that are, or, or a squad that is strong enough for us to make multiple changes and not expect a significant drop-off in the level. And, and that is where, you know, we're talking about this build and we're building a team and then, the first team is looking much, much better, but now we need to add depth because next season, if all goes well, we'll hopefully be in Europe as well. And then you've got European football and two domestic cup competitions to contend with outside of, um, you know, the league form. Now, I'm not saying that I'm OK with being out of the FA Cup. I'm not. And I'm definitely not OK with the level of the performance. But I think when the dust settles, if we can turn in performances against Liverpool and Tottenham. I think you'll look back on this and and say, well, it wasn't the end of the world. Obviously, that is hindering on whether we can do that. And I think when you look at how short we are now, it's a big worry. I'm massively worried about those next few fixtures. I'm massively worried about the trip to Anfield on Thursday. I'm hugely worried about the trip to, to Tottenham. I know that Morecambe went there and gave him a game today, but they're on the up overall. And then we've got that second leg against Liverpool. So, I think for me, the bigger concern today is what are we going to do in that midfield area? And are we close to doing something? Because, as I say, we've let Ainsley Maitland-Niles go. Not that he's an ideal solution either, but we've let him go and we've left ourselves extremely short. And it's really worrying with what a pivotal month we have to come that we're in this position. And this is mismanagement. This really is mismanagement to allow... Ainsley Maitland-Niles, a player who, look, I've, I've always said to you guys, I've never been totally convinced about him as a centre midfielder, but he's still up here in comparison to young Charlie Patino. Again, no fault of Patino's, but he's not at that point yet. And I don't think Maitland-Niles is a million miles off of Laconga either. In fact, you'd argue he's more calm, he's more composed, he's more experienced, and he's more Premier League proven. So we've actually left ourselves, as I say, really, really exposed, and that's bad, bad mismanagement. Let's take this super chat from Medical uh, Study Buddy. Thank you so much, mate, for your very kind donation. Really, really appreciate it. He says the overall performance was abysmal. Arteta cannot lace up his boots and make the passes for you. The players today are capable of winning, but the mentality was saddening. No urgency and no movement. I think you summed that up really, really well. Let's um, let's see uh, what else we have got uh, in the chat box. Actually, let me just make a few more points that I want to make so I don't forget them. And then we'll come back to the chat box and we'll dedicate 
the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the show to you guys and your questions. So, as I said, I don't think he had a lot of, of choice with the team, but the application of the team was was really, really poor, really poor. And is it is it a, an arrogance? Is it a overconfidence? Is it a, well, we're playing against the championship side today. We don't need to take this seriously. If that was the case, that is really worrying and really disappointing because Nottingham Forest are a championship side who are on the up. They've obviously picked up some much better results under Steve Cooper. He's a very good coach, very good manager. They're moving in the right direction. We were away from home under the lights. We've seen already this weekend countless shocks in the FA Cup third round. And we know that this competition is capable of producing those moments. But people always say, you know, oh, it's the magic of the FA Cup, like Morecambe going to Spurs and scoring the first goal, Shrewsbury going to Liverpool, scoring the first goal. Um, you know, you get a, the kid against the Harriers, is it, that, you know, got a good result. Um, Boreham Woods got a, a fantastic result. You look at all those and you go, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, great. Magic of the FA Cup. But that magic only happens if the superior sides aren't at the races, if the superior sides allow complacency to creep in. And that is exactly what happened with Arsenal today. As I said, a lot of players missing, a lot of troubles and a lot of selection headaches for the boss. But ultimately, that team on paper is still good enough to go to Nottingham Forest and win. So, you know, there, there aren't really any excuses. Missed some chances as well. Not many, mind you. We didn't create an awful lot. Um, but Eddie Nketiah missed a really good one with his head. There was another situation where Bukayo Saka got through. And I think they were saying in commentary, and I, I completely agree with this, he probably should have just tried to lift it over the on-rushing goalkeeper. He didn't. He tried to do something different. It didn't work out. Um, you know, but it's, yeah, it's, um, it's a really hard one to stomach, but it's one of those where, you know, you're angry, you're pissed off, you're disappointed, you're frustrated. I certainly am, but I can't sit there and, and, and feel hard done by. I can't sit there and say, oh man, we were really unlucky today because we were awful. We were shocking in every department, every single player. Maybe with the exception of Bern Leno today, I thought was poor, was, you know, and Bern Leno, you know, I thought the saves he made were saves that I expected him to make. But, you know, he did what he needed to do. I thought, you know, let's let's go through the whole team. You know, Cedric, awful again, abysmal at right back. Ben White wasn't his best game today. Um, struggled to progress the ball out of the defence, something that he's normally so good at. Was that due to a lack of movement ahead of him? Yes, partly. Rob Holding, really poor. Tavares, really, really poor. You move into the midfield, it's clear as day that Patino is not ready yet. Uh, Lakonga, question marks over him as well. I thought Odegaard was quiet by his usual standards, but I think that was a consequence, partly, of Arsenal not controlling the ball in the midfield and creating that platform from which our more creative players could then try and influence the game. Saka was okay, but you know, not his usual self, Gabriel Martinelli as well. Uh, Jed Spence had him on toast today. You know, he was really, really quick, really strong and really dominant over Gabriel Martinelli today. Uh, so his performance was poor. And Eddie Nketiah, as I said, didn't get many opportunities, but when they come your way, you've got to take them. And he didn't. Um, you know, so yeah, it's... Um, it's a, a really frustrating evening, really frustrating, disappointing performance. Let's take some of your questions from the live chat box as well. Uh, I'm sure you guys have got plenty to say off the back of that performance. I think uh, 
I think Roy Keane summed up this Arsenal performance at half time, actually. And, and obviously, I thought it got worse in the second half, by the way. And, and Nottingham Forest got slightly better. But he said they look like Real Madrid, obviously referring to the white kit that Arsenal were wearing. But they're playing like a pub team. And I think that that was spot on. You know, sometimes we look for this in-depth analysis and we look for this clever, tactical, kind of insightful uh, analysis. And sometimes you can sum a, a performance up with, with just a simple line like that. Um, but yeah, uh, a big thank you to Snake Eyes, who's just signed up as a channel member. Uh, thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate the support. And welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna family. Make sure you go over to the community tab, jump on the link and join us in our Discord server. We'd love to have you there. Uh, Jid F32 says, why is it that after a bad performance, we can't fume and be upset without looking for players to scapegoat by claiming they aren't good enough? Is this how simplistic this fan base is in its analysis? Look, I, I, Jid, I agree with you that, you know, it's it's really hard today to, to go in on one player or two players when everybody was clearly so below par. But I think what you're what you're seeing here is a frustration coming out from from fans because some of these players that we're referring to have repeatedly performed like this and have done it time and time again. I think for me, what this does, you know, when you look at especially that midfield situation, is it reinforces the fact that when we choose to make in particular Granite Xhaka a scapegoat, we're being stupid because he's still at a much higher level um, than the alternatives that we have at this football club. And 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 that's the reality of it. So I think what it does with him not being in the side, I think it shines a light on that problem. Um, and I think you're right that we shouldn't go with individual scapegoats today uh, because, of course, the, the whole team was poor and below par. And you, you might even go as far as saying abysmal. But um, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that a lot of these players continuously cost us and Although people say that Granit Xhaka repeatedly makes mistakes, I think the pros of Granit Xhaka outweigh the mistakes that he makes. Whereas with somebody like Cedric, for example, and I don't mean to pick on him or Rob Holding when he performs like that, I, I'm not sure that they do enough to outweigh the problems that they cause us. And that's, I think, where the frustration probably comes from. Um what else have we got? Uh, Ray Anderson says, I think that Martinelli was not going forward enough because he had Patino and Tavares. Then when Tierney come on, he was poor too. Yeah, I, I think that Martinelli's role um, is obviously a little bit different depending on who's in the centre of midfield. And again, not to take it back to Xhaka, who was undoubtedly a huge miss today. I've I've talked quite often about how his positioning to that, you know, he plays in the centre of midfield, but slightly to the left. It creates, in a lot of ways, a platform not just for the fullback to get forward, but for Gabriel Martinelli to play like a left forward rather than a left winger. And I felt that the fact that we weren't able to dominate or control the play in those areas today, obviously it does impact Martinelli. Um, but even even still, sort of individually, one-on-one, -on -one, he, he just never had it um, against Jed Spence today. I think Spence had him in his pocket and... Um, you know, that that goes to show that Martinelli, you know, to not, I can't remember a duel where he beat him. I can't remember where he went past him or caused him a problem at any point in the game. So that tells you a lot about the, the level of his performance as an individual on the day. And again, you know, he's a young player and I don't want to dig him out for it, but we can't 
dismiss the possibility that these performances will come along every now and again. Because we, if we are really honest about where Arsenal are at, you know, yes, we, we've shown some positive progress in the Premier League. We were very good at Manchester City, despite not taking anything from the game. And we've beaten the teams that we should beat, but we're still not quite there yet. And I think that the, one of the big lessons today is, A, the midfield lesson, the problem that we've got there, huge problem. And obviously the fact that the second string or the the team that he picks when he wants to make changes is is miles away from the team that we have when everybody's fit and available. And, and I think that's the key here. Uh, Bruce Banana says, do you think we should go for their right back? He was quality. Do you know what? Looking at Jed Spence today, I think he's a player who's got a massive future ahead of him. I think if I'm not mistaken, he's on loan um, at Nottingham Forest. It's it's really difficult to say, yeah, we should move for him based on that one performance, but it was certainly an impressive performance. And he looks as though, you know, we talk about that modern generation of, of English fullbacks. You talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's technically wonderful. You talk about Rhys James, also very, very good, but they both possess those physical qualities and attributes as well. I think Jed Spence has got that the physical side of it in an abundance. I'd like to see more of him, though, to understand a little bit more about his overall game. Um, and then I'd probably be able to answer a question like that a little bit better. But certainly impressed. No question about it. Just before we continue through the chat box and keep getting your questions in, uh, just a quick reminder, if you haven't hit the like button already, what are you waiting for? Head over and uh, smash that like button. We're on 76 likes, but there's nearly 300 of you um, watching us right now. So we'd like to get that up uh, to at least 150 ASAP. Get involved. Like, like, like. Subscribe to the channel too if you haven't done so already. We're closing in on 18,000 here on YouTube. I think before we started, we were around about 80 or so subscriptions away. So get involved in that. Uh, let's uh, bring you guys a quick message from our sponsors over at ProPrep. ProPrep, of course, is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering, or maths-related modules. They provide bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed from any time uh, from any device, sorry, at any time. It's already helped over half a million students to pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus and long lectures are condensed down into short and clear video tutorials. After the videos, you can go through what you've learned with interactive exercises and practice questions so you'll be ready for the exam. You can even submit questions to the pro prep professors and receive a video answer back within 24 hours. Now they've created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go over to their website, proprep.uk slash football, uh, slash info slash football. My apologies. That's proprep.uk slash info slash football for more info. And there you can sign up for a free 30-day trial without inputting any credit card information. That's proprep.uk slash info slash football. That's proprep, the ultimate study tool. The link is in the description, right? Let's go back to some of your questions and some of your thoughts. Um, lots of you bringing up the fact that Ainsley Maitland-Niles is is obviously gone, and and kind of what was the, um, you know, what was the thought behind that? What was the, what was the reason behind allowing him to go without bringing in a replacement? And I completely agree with you. I said it right at the top of the show. If you're just joining us late on the live stream, that was kind of what I led with um, when discussing the game that the midfield crisis and the fact that it's poor management 
to allow him to leave. Look, I'm not saying keep him. You know, if he wanted to go and you wanted him and you were happy to move him on, fine, do it. Do it next week, though. Do it the week after. The window is open until the end of the month. Give yourself the opportunity as a football club to get sufficient covering. And, and we just didn't and we haven't done that. And now we've got a massive problem, especially with Granite Xhaka out. Fingers crossed it's not, um, you know, it's not going to be a long term absence. He should be back in time for the North London derby. He's got a week. But, you know, how does it affect him? He won't be sharp. He won't be training, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just a really shit situation. Uh, but it's a situation that we we should have foreseen, not specifically that Granite Xhaka himself is going to get COVID, but we should have foreseen the fact that letting NZ Maitland-Niles go during the AFCON was going to leave us in shit street and, and we're going to suffer for it now. Uh, Jim Norris says, this was the most discouraging, sorry effort I've seen from Arsenal in years. Maybe this particular group has no chemistry. Whatever it is, this is unacceptable crap. I had such high hopes for Enketia. I made my mind up on Enketia a long time ago that I don't think he's the future of Arsenal Football Club. But I have also talked about the fact that letting him go this month could leave us, just like in the midfield, one injury away or one absence away from a big, big problem. And, um, and you know, that's that's what you got to look at. But when you watch him play in the way he played today, although the um, the service wasn't necessarily great, he doesn't convince me that he's worth going to all the trouble and effort uh, to convince him to stay. You know, everybody talks about how, you know, Arsenal are working hard to try and persuade him and convince him that this is the place to be. Is it worth the bother? I'm not sure. Uh, apologies for looking to the right. I've, I've got the Inter-Lazio game on and I've just seen an absolute cracker of a goal from Bastoni, the Inter-Centre-Half. He's just put, uh, he's just scored for Inter against Lazio. Um, great goal, that. Really good. Uh, right, let's take this one from Junior Gunner. Uh, Sambi is not ready. Clearly, he dwells on the ball for too long, isn't progressive enough and makes silly errors. He should be playing in the under-23s, not at high-level Premier League football, surely, Big H. So I've said this time and time again about Sambi Lakonga. When he was signed, it was a signing for the future. I never thought or never believed that he was being brought in as someone who was going to play a lot of minutes this season. And he wouldn't have played hardly any first-team minutes, maybe barring the cup competitions, certainly not in the Premier League, had Granit Xhaka not sustained the injury that he did, had Thomas Partey not picked up the injuries that he did. So he was never first choice in the midfield. He was never second choice in the midfield. He was in that group along with Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Mohamed Elneny, players who would backfill that. And we've seen more of Sambi Lakonga than we probably expected or the more more than Mikel Arteta might have wanted because of those injuries and because of those absences. But yeah, he's one of those players that you look at and, and you can't say with any confidence is 100% ready to play in the Premier League or, you know, in first team football week in, week out. He does dwell on the ball a little bit too long. And that's something he's got to shake off quickly because that's something that was evident from his first Arsenal performance. He just likes to hold on to the ball for that split second too long at times. And listen, in the Belgian league, he might have got away with that. And in the Belgian league, he might have had that extra half a yard of space to then turn, spin, do what it is that he wants to do. I don't deny that his talent is talented and I don't deny that he will probably go on and be a really good player. I still think it was a good signing, a worthwhile signing. But it all goes back to that point about the midfield again of we should not be relying on Lokonga. Lokonga should be the patino, 
should be the guy that's in the squad, on the bench, everybody's positive and excited about, but should be fed minutes, sort of dependent on game states to, to help aid his development without there being too much expectation for the for the now. And instead, because of the fact that we left ourselves short in midfield, we're in a place where he's having to play and being relied upon. And not just having to play, you know, he's not playing alongside a, a Granite Xhaka or a Thomas Partey, a senior midfield partner. O on today's occasion, he's playing alongside Charlie Patino, who's even less senior than he is. And you end up putting too much pressure and too much reliance on, on players who are still in the infancy of their career. And, and yeah, it's... um. It's a, it's a worry. Uh, Wes Bird says, clearly the team didn't perform today and look like they've never played together before. But it also shows that if you don't turn up mentally against even lower league opponents, you will get beat. Yeah, look, in football, sometimes things don't click. You know, you can go out there with the right attitude and, and sometimes maybe technically you're not quite at your, at your top level. You know, sometimes you're, you're facing a stubborn opponent. Sometimes your game plan isn't quite right. Sometimes it, you just never really get going. The, the rhythm of the game is not there. And and that can be a problem. But the attitude looked wrong today as well. And that, for me, is more disappointing than not creating loads of chances. They're not being good in possession. You know, it's the attitude bit. That should be the very minimum that you ask for. And that should be the very minimum that your uh, your, um, your 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 player should give you. And, and we didn't see that. Uh, Big Fat Suvlagi says it might not be as bad. It made a difference between the first and second team. Evident strengthening incoming. Fingers crossed. The Mikel Arteta obviously revealing the other day that Arsenal do plan to go into the transfer market this uh, this month, which is obviously encouraging. We definitely need it. The problem is, are we going to get uh, those players in? Uh, you know, are we going to get whoever's going to come in to help us deal with this midfield crisis, if you like? Um, in time for three of our biggest fixtures of the season. That's, that's the, you know, the timing of it. It's just so shitty. It really, really is. Uh, what else have we got in the chat box? Going to take a few more. Um, Tom Wilson says we were so slow today. Whose fault is that? Yeah, we were. We were really slow. The way we moved the ball just lacked that zip and tempo. And again, I under, look, I'm not Mikel Arteta out, right? You all know that. And, I, and I'm and i not going to completely slaughter him based on today, in a, on a day when I thought his options were limited and the players simply didn't turn up. But this slow football with a lack of tempo and a lack of zip is something that we've seen way too often, uh, you know, during his tenure. And, and when you see something crop up time and time again, then you've got to try and understand the root of it, right? You've got to try and understand, um, you know, what exactly is going on. But yeah, uh, yeah, completely, completely agree that it was slow. It was without zip. It was without guile. It was without, without creativity. So, uh, yeah. Let's see uh, what else. Uh, Maximus says, uh, boring, boring Arsenal. It certainly was boring, boring Arsenal today. Bruce Banana says, do you think the early sub with impact will impact the confidence of Tavares or do you think it will give him the fight to prove Arteta that he was wrong for taking him off? Listen, I, I don't necessarily agree um, with the idea of taking players off at that point in the game, but he was awful. So I can't hang the manager out to dry based on doing that. 
if Tavares is the professional that we think he is and that we we hope he is, then he should take this on the chin and he'll have a point to prove the next time he's named in the side. But, and you know, and he will get opportunities because Kieran Tierney will get injuries. He, he always does. But he, you know, he, it's, it's, I think, I always think like, I don't read too much. Like Tavares's reaction, I don't like to see it. And the reason I don't like to see it is because I don't like Arsenal showing vulnerability to the outside world. I, I don't like that. I don't like that idea that people are looking, going, oh, look, it's not all right at Arsenal. I hate that. I hate public effect, uh, displays of that. But it's, it's, it's natural. You know, you, you, if you're passionate about what you do, there'll be times where the emotion takes over and the emotion took over there. But now it's about channeling that frustration, disappointment, whatever it was that was going through Nuno Tavares's head in the right way. And that's on him. That's not on the manager. That's on him. You know, you can't exactly say, well, he was playing well and it's harsh that he got taken off. He was awful. He was awful. Mickey Morris says, Harry, do you think that performance or should I say underperformance was influenced by the white outfit worn by the team today? They probably thought they were Spurs. <laughs> yeah, look, obviously the white kit was was worn for a really, really good cause. Um, the No More Red campaign, obviously, um, in place to kind of help raise awareness around the issue of knife crime in London, which is a massive problem. Um, you know, I've obviously grown up and, and, and lived in London all my life. So, um, you know, I know what a serious problem it is. Um, you know, it feels like every day you're turning on the news and you hear of, of some kind of knife crime and it's horrible and it's something that needs to be dealt with. Um, so I'm glad they did it. I'm glad that, you know, that, that such an important cause got the exposure that it needs. As for the kit itself, I actually looked for it looked quite cool from the front. Whoever, uh, what were those numbers about? I mean, I know that it has to be all white, but you could have done a better job of the numbers, I thought. I just thought they were really tacky and cheap. They were like, it was as if somebody had forgotten to do the numbers and they went down to Sports Direct and and got on and said, you know, chuck whatever numbers you got on there. Like, it was awful. Um, but obviously the cause brilliant and um, and I'm glad we did it. But yeah, maybe it did uh, give us a bit of the Spurses. Uh, what else have we got in the chat? Just going to keep a, uh, take a couple more uh, from you guys uh, before I wrap up. And of course, we'll continue to react to the game on Monday's episodes and we'll also start focusing on who it is that Arsenal can potentially go out and bring in to help in that midfield uh, position. Uh, Daniel Hartley says, I'm not Arteta's biggest fan, but thought the player's attitude was really poor today. What was really disappointing was that some of those players had a chance to impress. Yeah, you always say you always think that, don't you? When you're on the peripheries of a team, you know, you need to take the opportunity that you get. I used to say it about Gabriel Martinelli. Obviously, very, very talented. We all knew what he could do based on what we'd seen previously. But Arteta was was right in leaving him out previously because he wasn't doing it um, when those opportunities came along. Now, I acknowledge and accept that it's not easy to come out from the cold sometimes and just perform, be chucked in and expected to perform. But he, um, you know, he... he it, it, it's absolutely right. You know, as a manager, you're looking at these players who are probably knocking on your door uh, week after week, asking why they're not in the team, asking for clarification around why that decision has been taken, asking what it is they need to be doing to get back in the team. As a manager, when you've got to deal with that over and over again, and then those opportunities come along and you watch the players turn up with an attitude 
and a, a kind of lack of desire like we saw today, then that must be frustrating as a manager as well. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, um, Jack's asking about Lekonga. We we touched on that a little bit earlier on, so feel free to rewind that and check that bit out. Um, obviously, the the round, uh, the fourth round draw was made prior to our game, and we would have uh, been facing Leicester City uh, at home at Emirates Stadium in the fourth round of the cup. Of course, the holders, but that is not to be. So, I'd like to wish Nottingham Forest all the best because. Um, I thought they were really good at nullifying us in the first half and they were the better side by quite some distance in the second half. And they deserved um, they deserved to take the victory. They deserved the goal that they got in the end. Arsenal got exactly what they deserved today and that was absolutely nothing. So let's not take anything away from Nottingham Forest. Credit to them. Great traditional grand old club. Um, and uh, yeah, wish them all the best in the remainder of the competition because I don't... Um, there's no, not really anybody else that I'm massively... Well, I'm not even behind Nottingham Forest, but, you know, I, I wish them well. They deserved it today. I thought they got it all right. They got their, their shape right, their tactics right, their application was right. And when the opportunity to break away came along, they worked the ball down the right-hand side, picked out a player in the middle, grabbing off the bench, and I thought he finished it quite well. So, yeah, credit to them. Credit to them. But anyway, Arsenal have a midfield crisis. Arsenal's second string in a lot of positions, is nowhere near the level that it needs to be. But I think we already knew that anyway. We're out of the FA Cup. I'm not going to say it might prove to be a blessing in disguise, but we've got a, a Carabao Cup semi-final to come. The first leg being played this coming Thursday. We've got a North London derby around the corner. We're in the hunt for a top four spot. Not all is lost here. Um, you know, last season at this point, I think it was the fourth round we went out, wasn't it, against Southampton? At this point last season, we were out of the running in the league. And that's why it really felt like the end of the world. Um, and obviously, we were we were the holders of the cup and you were feeling a little bit more protective over it. This time around, there's still plenty to play for. So let's curb the reaction uh, based on that fact. But obviously, people are right and ups, uh, are right and well within their rights to feel upset and frustrated by what we saw today. Wasn't good enough. But the bigger concern for me Bigger than the performance, bigger than what we saw over the course of the 90 minutes today is that midfield issue. And I hope it's one we can address in the coming days rather than weeks because um, we've got some big fixtures to come, as I say. Right, going to leave it all there. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. We're on 117 likes at the moment. Let's get it up to 150 by the time the outro plays. That should be more than doable. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. If you are uh, watching this back on replay, if you're listening via the audio, please do leave us a review and we'll be back with some more very shortly. Until then, goodbye. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.